The key to having good first-person animations, and first-person camera animations specifically, is to just tone it down. They're supposed to be like helping just auxiliary curves. No, they shouldn't take over the main action. Welcome to Animator's Journey Podcast, where we discuss the ins and outs of being a 3D animator in hopes of helping you on your animator's journey. I'm your host, Lucas Ridley. If you want to begin your own animator's journey, check out animatorsjourney.com, which is a new framework for learning animation. You can transform into a 3D animator by enrolling in this online animation school I've created and you get feedback from me and you have lifetime access to the material unlike other online animation schools that kick you out after a few weeks. So if you want to begin your own animator's journey, check out animatorsjourney.com. Let's begin the podcast episode. Welcome to this Animator's Journey podcast episode. I'm with Marvin Friedrich, who is a German 19-year-old animator. We are going to chat with him about his animator's journey. Later on, we're also going to see his workflow and kind of how he does his first-person shooter animations in a YouTube video on the Digital Creator School YouTube channel. Thanks for joining, Marvin. It's my pleasure. You know, typically I think people, when they hear 19 years old, at least I thought it was like, okay, you must have not have gone to college then, I guess, if you're already a working animator, tell me about your kind of education journey and how you got to where you're at right now over the last couple of years. Basically, I started off doing just regular high school until I was 18. I had the option to go to a college, but I chose not to, more or less because of my career path. I had some connections in the um, first person animation world that allowed me to do this. I would have gone to college if it wasn't for them. This would you, so you, this connection you had, they, I guess they work in the industry and based on, were they guiding you on what to learn? Cause it sounds like, so you didn't, you didn't actually go to school to learn animation. Was this person essentially maybe like a mentor, it sounds like told you what you needed to kind of do on your own time. And you did that. And they were like, if you check these boxes, you'll get a job with them. Or were they were just like saying you could get a job in the industry. It was a lot more casual than you'd think. I was basically animating with a small team of all other people about the same age, same same boat as I was in. They were just we were just helping each other out. We we're learning off each other. If someone managed to have a breakthrough, we we all learned from them. So was and, that that was that people you met in school or how did you how did that get kind of organized to learn off each other like that? In in the first person animation kind of subcategory. Of animators there's a huge community of people just modding existing games creating their own weapons per se and at some point they just talk to each other it's it's a huge network of people just talking to each other is that what platforms is that on is that like a reddit subreddit or is that there's a website called gamebanana.com that's okay. where it all started off like 10 15 years ago now it's on discord reddit uh there's huge subs for that what's one of the discord channels name just out of curiosity it's called first person animations just really bland <laughs> uh there were older ones for example they were named anim cave mm -hmm. uh, keyframe corner for example those are more private ones for for the higher ups cool. <laughs> if you can yeah. call them higher ups <laughs> so what take me a couple steps backward like how did you even I guess, get to this point that you wanted to do it because it sounds like, I guess you had to have like a background growing up playing video games. And then there was a switch that flipped that you were like, oh, I could actually get paid to do the stuff that I like doing or, and what, what age were you at? And when did this kind of start ruminating? So I think this started when I was 16 or 17, 
so just two or three years back, I was playing, I think, the latest Call of Duty. I think it was Modern Warfare 19. And it had superb animations. Like, if, if you look at them, there are, still to this day, they are the best you can get, you can kind of find in video games. And those really inspired me to just try animating on my own. So the first thing I did, I downloaded Blender, hopped in. I knew nothing. <laughs> so I was just sitting there for like 20 hours trying to press random keys in the hopes something would work. And you obviously you, you would get really poor results from that. And after some time, like a few weeks after, I started watching YouTube videos, getting more invested and kind of start building connections with people that were well established in the um, industry, you would say. Through those channels, through like, yeah, okay. You're like, would you show them your work and they'd give you notes or like how, what was the discussions? Okay. So you would show play blasts, um, mm -hmm. you would share your work in progress stuff, you get feedback, and then you just apply and try to improve. Just basically get off, there's a lot of like beginner animators in this kind of space because this, the modding scene is huge, especially around older source games like Counter-Strike Source, uh, Gary's Mod. Those are huge games. If someone, this, if someone was interested in modding, like where would they even begin? Because I mean, I know that term and I'm, you know, I've worked in video games, but I've never modded anything. I don't, I don't even know where to begin with that. How would, how would someone, because I guess what you're kind of like the dots to connect is that you could create your animation blender and then actually put it in a real game. Is yes. that, okay. That, that's the main incentive. It's like having this game dev experience kind of without having the doing to like without having to do the heavy lifting yeah, of actually awesome. supporting a team doing it professionally so this was like really casual you were not getting paid most of the time because it's all just a fan project most of mm. the time so that's kind of where it started and of course all the the company the game companies are looking out for these animators that were just starting off more or less had some experience with animating, but we're really good in this one first person aspect. And, so, and, yeah. and can you explain just for people who, who aren't aware of modding, like, is it legal? Is it not legal? Is, can they, um, and then, and how would you begin? Like, I know Gary, I've heard of Gary's mod and that, that, that's for half-life, I think. Yes, it is. Yeah. So there's like these other, are the, is that a separate game? Or is that an is that an add-on to the existing Half-Life game? How how does um, modding work and how would someone begin that? Okay, so basically Valve back then, like 2008, 2009. The company that um, made Half-Life. Yeah. Exactly. Um they came out with the Half-Life modding SDK, which is a kit with a lot of add-ons, a bunch of software that lets you work with these games that basically tools that Valve used themselves you would just use them for yourself. And Gary's mod kind of stemmed from that notion of Half-Life 2 being this physics open source, not open source, open world game, where you could just explore and do anything for the time. That was like, Half-Life 2 was really a, a huge game. And Gary's mod just took that to another level. Um, modding is legal, especially like Valve supports modders. Um, and even if they mod this, the code behind the games, they really do support this. Other games, not so much, uh, but especially Gary's Mod, and that's why it's so popular. It's public, the, um, the kits. Um, it's accessible, and it's really easy to do. You just so need to learn a few codes. Yeah, would some, so someone would get on Steam, get a Steam account, exactly. buy Half-Life, download Gary's Mod, 
And then is there documentation or tutorials? There's or a lot of, there's a lot of yeah. tutorials. There's a lot of documentation. You wouldn't need to buy both Half-Life and Gary's Mod okay. because Ga Gary's Mod is just built upon Half-Life and it's, it's distributed with it included. But you can oh. also just buy, buy them both. Gotcha. And what, like when you're getting your, just a quick technical question, when you're getting your animation into Gary's Mod, what's the format? Is it an FBX or? It's their own format back from the days when they're using 3S Max. It's called Studio MDL. Uh, short term is, I think, I think it's .SMD. And you basically what you do, you take a bunch of SMD files, which store animation data, model data, and the sorts. And you would just compile them using um, a tool called Crowbar. And what it does, it takes a setup file and it compiles all these, these source. It's kind of like an OBJ file. Okay. Um, but like with animation and skeleton data. And it all merges it into one file, which you can then give to the game. Okay. It's cool. pretty easy, yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it's, it sounds, might for someone who's not familiar, it might sound complicated, but it sounds like after you do it once or twice, then it's kind of not a big it deal. Is. Yeah. Starting off, it's really complicated because there's a <laughs> lot of new formats, new files that you need. And, and then you realize, oh, that this file is missing this file. I need this one. Yeah. Um, it's kind of It sounds confusing. like in a worst case scenario, maybe you don't get it in the game, but you at least have a target. Like you need the animation done first. So, yes. okay, learn animation. The technical stuff can come later and you can figure out how to plug it in or get someone's help. But you could like start learning animation. Is that... Did you have the technical background first or the animation? Like what came first for you? Um, I would say the technical background. I mm. started learning programming and kind of started off making my own games using Unity. Then I went on to make my own engine. And it's it's like, it's all stuff that comes together. Um, when, you, when you learn 3D graphics, more or less, uh, or just computer graphics, it's just you learn one aspect and then there's three other like question marks and you need to solve those and it just unfolds and it unfolds. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things you need to learn. And how are you learning these, you know, cause you're saying this is two or three years ago and you're in high school. Is it, was there a high school program or a class or no. you're just, yeah. No, there was not. Um, Germany's pretty behind, uh, with, with all the, like everything that has to do with animation, for example, Everything that is like in the game industry, you don't get off like a college or even high school. Um, I was all just teaching it myself off of like Wikipedia for, for some reference. There's a lot of websites that explain how things work, uh, but mostly YouTube tutorials. They're really helpful. And like early on, did you have it as a career path? Like how, how early did you know, I'm not going to college, I'm doing this. And did you... Was there some research you did to be like, okay, as a career getting paid to do this, it's feasible or were you just like, I don't care. I want to, this is what I want to do with my time. So it's going to happen one way or another. Um, I didn't really plan on becoming an animator actually. At first, like when I finished uh, high school, I was thinking about doing just a regular IT job. I think with that, with my background, then it would make sense. But then I, I got invested in this, all this animation stuff. And through my connections, more or less, I got like commissions um, to do, got more and more money off those. And I thought, hmm, maybe that, maybe this is a feasible career path. And where, that's when. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, I, I was like, where are these commissions coming from? Are they. Basically from the, from this community. That's crazy. There's, there's people. They're paying you to like, make an animation. Exactly. Yeah. For like, they have an idea and they just can't animate it. So they want you to do it or something. Yes. It's like. Wow. 
Um, you've got to imagine like really small indie teams, but they're not professionals. They don't get paid anything more or less. So they would take money of their own pocket. They have they would have some mod idea to have like a cool weapon. So they they pay a modeler. I mean the quality. But how are they getting money if they're if it's a mod? Is it doesn't that just go out to the community or are it just it's it- free? Most most of them are free, and they were doing it just out of pocket because they they wanted it. Oh wow! <laughs> you don't you don't get you don't get as a mod creator like yeah. as as a head honcho you don't really see any return on your money. You just kind of give it away, but you get yeah. a mod. <laughs> Except for you, if you're taking commissions, I guess. Exactly. It's yeah. like the artists behind it. And like programmers, they do get the money. But if you want something done as a commissioner, you don't get any return. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I cut you off too. You, you were going to say something else. Oh, yeah. Um, so pretty much after like getting more and more money off these commissions, I was thinking of um, doing this animation thing full time, more or less. And that's when my connections came in clutch. And actually, like I think I've got it... Um, on my Twitter profile, I'm with Bullcat. They're a really cool team. Pretty, pretty small, so like a hundred people ish, but they're all great. And are where are they based out of? Is that a Germany? Uh, UK, UK. Oh, okay. They've got uh, they've got like some uh, legal address here in Germany, so I'm I can be employed. But sure, um, they're based off UK. Yeah, and they really came in clutch. Um, they offered me a junior position like half a year ago and it's been great since how uh, did you how did you did they find you or you found them they found me funnily enough like uh, as i said i didn't really think of this as a professional path to take but then they approached me and i thought hmm, maybe i'm not too bad at this thing <laughs> and that's how it kind of came uh, came together and i think i'm going to stick with animation that's great yeah i mean it sounds like to the the theme running through this is the community that you were involved that got you commissions it got you the job it gave you the knowledge and like being in touch with that community is kind of i don't know how else you could have done it without that it sounds like yes, it sounds like that was it the is clutch. it is yeah. important being able to talk to other people being known uh in the community is very important if you're a nobody this is like trying to apply to a professional like to senior position without a demo reel there's it's worthless yeah um you would need connections you need to talk have people talking about you and your work how good it is to really have a chance because all these all these small animators they they just get drowned or they, they get underpaid if they do get uh, in touch with them um how, it's, how, it's just how did you find a way to stand out it sounds like it's with such a big community how did you just was it the le- the quality level of your animation? Like you said, it sounds like it took you by surprise that they approached you. Was it just the quality level? Was there a, a single post that got like ranked high on a subreddit or like it did? Yeah. Okay. My, my like very fir- my very first animation post. I remember it was like a 1911 pistol. Um, really bad. I I don't I don't want to see it again. But um, I posted it to Reddit to one of the first person animation subreddits, and it got like. 2000 upvotes something and even the lead animator from this uh, call of duty game with the really good animations commented under it how much he liked it i mean of, of course there was some room for improvement back then but 
Um, that's amazing though. That's a huge accomplishment, especially if you're that early in, in trying it and like the game that you love, someone yeah. that worked on it is like going out of their way to comment. That's a huge, that must've felt amazing. <laughs> it, it really did at the time. Um, that's kind of what motivated me the first year on YouTube. I just try to pump out uploads every, every other day, every week. I would just like create a, a new, new animation. animation every a new day. animation every week. Wow! How and long did you? How long could you sustain that? How long were you doing that? Uh, I think I was doing it for like three months, and then yeah. I realized. Then that's that's when the people in the community um, told me, like, you can you can do this, but you don't get anywhere. You don't improve just by doing it over and over. That's insanity. What you would have to do is take your time, try to improve. And then post your animation. That's kind of when I real when it clicked. That's that's when I stopped just doing. How did you know what to improve? It was because you were posting that stuff on a Reddit, and they were telling you what to they do. They were telling me, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. As a as an animator, I think this applies to all. I think even just in general, artists, you have to listen to your feedback. Not all of the feedback you get is useful or just yay sayers. They they they're not really useful. You need to listen to critics because they know what's wrong. You, you don't see it. Back then, when I was looking at my old animations, I thought, this looks horrible. How, how could I come up with this? And you really do see it with other uh, with different eyes after some time, if you get better. You need to be able to reflect on what you do. So you need to listen to feedback, always, always. Even if it's like really bad. If someone, if someone says, oh yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't like this part, but they don't give any explanations. Of course, don't listen to that, but... If they tell you exactly what's wrong, what they what they is because we are humans, we, we see when something is off. This this applies to all animation. If something's off, we, we just notice some people just can't describe it. But if they can, you should probably listen to them. And it's gone well so far. Yeah, that's that's worked out for you. <laughs> that's great. And in such a short amount of time, too, especially for self-taught. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think it it also helps that it's not like you were you were trying to learn, I mean, animation is such a broad thing broad, to do. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, anim anything that moves in life, you can animate. <laughs> and yeah. so it seems like it was also beneficial that you niche down very specific first person shooter animations. And that allowed you to like focus your time and energy on one thing and get really good at this one thing. So then yeah. you just stood above everybody else. That's, that's great. Yeah. In the last few years, of course, as, as, as you get better, there's just, there's more like, a skill cap like you you can't get better as of course there's always like you can go to some extremes do more with your poses just push them more reactions but at some point you just can't do anything else and that's when you start to branch off so that's what i did even though i'm i love making first person animations i just have to go into general character animation and that's that's also what my job more or less is at bulkhead i'm not exclusively a weapons animator because I know, I know Infinity Ward, for example, they're the Call of Duty studio. Uh, they hire just view model first person animators that just exclusively do this, but I'm just a general animator. So I can just also do character animation. Mm -hmm. It's just that I really specialize in first person animations. Yeah. And it seems like one thing that's unique about first person is uh, the camera. Like, so when you were learning how to do this what came like where did the camera come into play your evolution wise was that a hard thing to learn easy thing to learn did you wait until the very end to learn that more or less yeah i think my first animations were super horrible because this the camera would just 
shake all over the place. I try to mimic eye motion, but the problem with that is in first person animations, your eyes already follow the motion. So you would have double. It looks so off. The key to having good first person animations and first person camera animation specifically is to just tone it down. They're supposed to be like helping just auxiliary curves. No, they shouldn't take over the main action. Hmm. So it's important to just have it like stay low. That's yeah, that's great advice. Nice. So if if someone was, you know, 16 or if you're reflecting back on yourself being 16, would what advice would you give? I mean, it it sounds like you did pretty well for yourself like time-wise, you know, skill-wise. Is there anything you would do different or advice you'd give someone who's 16 um, trying to start out? As someone who was starting out, I would say do learn the principles of an anima animation, the 12 ones. I did not learn them until like like five months in and it really shows like the, the the second i actually read even the um animators toolkit or help, help kit mm -hmm. um the book um just after i read it it's so enlightening there's so much stuff you would you would never know that influences your animation yeah yeah so just getting the foundation a little bit sooner might have sped things up. And earlier you were saying, you know, it was three months in to you practicing like every day until you realized you needed to slow down and like deliberately yeah. choose something to improve also instead of just practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent is what I've always heard too. That, <laughs> you know, unless you have something you're, you've chosen to improve, then it's not going to improve no matter how many times yeah, you do it. So definitely those that combination of things sounds like it helped out a lot that's huge the, the next thing i would also tell someone is um learn your program it is really important that you learn everything your program has to offer things like motion trails um things like knowing how cameras work in your program like plane distances presentation it's it's really important my renders uh i always made sure to have like some ambience some some wind noises in the background just have some some wind gusts kind of flowing through sound design a little sound bit. design is uh, yeah. just a tiny bit just placing down sounds that is really important to get your presentation right because yeah. that that will get you commissions and people will start talking about your stuff how how high quality it looks um it's not about your animation ju just on its own it's about what assets you use what yeah. um background everything if the yeah, if the goal is getting noticed then all those yeah. things matter you know i guess on the on those communities and subreddits and exactly stuff. yeah that makes sense and the last thing i would also say widen the your, your view on how programs work and how, what programs you want to use because you will not really get a job just using blender it will not work because the industry standard is still maya i hope i think it is i try to you know it's it's this ongoing thing and i i have a i have a whole podcast episode of what software to use and i, I talked for 20 minutes about why it's maya and um how you know blender is a great piece of software but it's not used in the industry yeah. so like if you want a leg up uh, and you want to be job ready why would you not learn the thing exactly. that you're going to be using in your job <laughs> I mean, at Bullcat, we have the freedom, more or less, on mm -hmm. our projects to choose between Maya or Blender. We have kind of some multi-rigs that work in both. Of course, the setup is a tiny bit difference, uh, different, but essentially, we were free to choose. But just because I have more, more time with Blender, I would prefer Blender. But 
before I have used Maya professionally, and I probably will do, it's more like Blender just hasn't been good for the same time that Maya has been, or usable for that, um, just for game dev, especially Maya, all the plugins they and bought, all of that is just for Maya. So you have to use Maya. You have to learn Maya. You will not get it far with Blender. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I've found. I mean, I've I've been working in the industry for about eleven years. I've only ever used Maya, and I've like in professional settings when you're talking about pipeline or whatever, no one, literally, no one talks about Blender. Yeah, maybe <laughs> like, our, our yeah. modelers do, but yeah, modelers do, but yeah. for animation specific, and because the rigging to animation pipeline depends on that software, you can't unlike modeling. You know, you can't. You can't just insert a new software exactly, in the rigging yeah. to animation. Yeah. Like, so that's got to be consistent. And the people who are mo- that I find most vocal online about Blender are people who have zero professional experience. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's because Blender is free. I mean, sure. Blender's a great starting point. If you don't yeah. want to obtain Maya, yeah. um, if you don't want to spend money on Maya, Blender's a really good alternative. And learning the Maya key map, Blender has a Maya key map. Yeah, we, we can just switch the Maya hotkeys with the old mouse view, for example. That's a really good starting point, but you do have to get Maya at some point, if, even if it's just the education edition. Yeah, yeah, they have a so they have a free trial for 30 days. They also came out with the ND license. Yeah. It's like 280 bucks a year, I think. Yeah, I, I had it for a year um, okay. just to learn, basically. Yeah. Um, really and then also, if people become a member of Digital Creator School or Animator's Journey, they get a one-year uh, student license of Maya. So that's also an option <laughs> just to plug that in there. <laughs> but yeah, that's good advice. And it's good to have someone else say that because I feel like I'm, I don't know, I'm in like my own echo chamber trying to be like, guys, like oh, I, like if it, if it was Blender, I'd tell you it's Blender. And, and we're secretly using Blender on all these movies and video games. <laughs> we're not, <laughs> like as animators, we're not. Sure, someone can model something and you you never even know it because they're just yeah. exporting an OBJ or something. So, but yeah, for animation specific, uh, if you're going to already invest the time yeah. for my money, it's like, all right, just go ahead and use the thing you're going to be using in your job anyway. But um, so, so are you using Maya now and you're for, with Bulkhead or? Uh, with Bulkhead on some NDA projects, I can't disclose. Yeah. I'm using Blender mm-hmm. um, just out of familiarity. I'm, I'm well worse with Maya, but. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't like just it as faster. much. Yeah, you're yeah, I'm, faster in Blender. Blender is way faster when it comes to creating complicated animations. Like selecting f- finger shapes is just faster because it, it's one click. Maybe and I can Maya, get you to do like okay. a rundown because I, I feel like it's the opposite for me because it's I, I'm just, you know, I'm just not familiar with it. I, I've tried mm-hmm. to pick up Blender animation a couple times and... I'm just like, ugh, this is <laughs> every time here, here's one gripe. Every time I select something, I cannot isolate a single transform in the graph editor, right? Like they all pop up and, mm. um, there's something, there's even, I, I couldn't, I can't get more specific than that, but there, there's something even more to it where like when I select multiple controls, I want to see only rotate Z on all these controls. Mm. I, I couldn't find a way to easily do that. Oh, that's really easy. That's a, this is a um, basically what you'd have is if you go to the graph editor, for example, there's an eye icon. You just click that, and it hides all the curves. So but don't you have to everything. select it for 
you have to go through each one and go click, 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 like for um, all the ones, but rotate Z. You could hold shift and just go down click the line. Of course, it's, it's yeah, it's it's not as intuitive as in Maya yeah. would just highlight the curve itself. But <clears throat> well, because in Maya, you can there in view, you can open up a window and say there's checkboxes, and you can say only show this and so you can yeah. click rotate z and it'll get rid of everything else you can also synchronize your graph editor display with your channel box so if i select you know an attribute in the channel box then that's gonna only show in the in the graph editor as well so there's like mm -hmm. multiple ways to do that that are like single click solutions but anyway yeah maybe maybe that's a podcast for another time <laughs> or uh, our youtube tutorial or something you could share um cool yeah is there anything else in, in the advice category that you would give yeah actually one last thing is learning rotation orders. That is the one of the most impactful things I've learned just for weapon animations, for example. I think you made a video about it. Like Yeah, there's if you go to Digital Creator School's YouTube channel, there is a there's a whole I, it's a portion of a lesson in from Animator's Journey, but it teaches what rotation order is and why it's important. And then the full lesson in, in the program, it goes much deeper, especially with camera animation and how to notice that stuff when you get a rig, because the riggers don't always put the order that you want. Yeah. They always just put X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just stuck with that until it's too late and you're like, oh my gosh, I've already been animating this thing. And then you're kind of stuck. So if you, that's kind of like the planning stage of animation. That's nice exactly, to yeah. know beforehand, but yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. Um, it's really important because Blender, for example, they allow you to animate quaternion rotation which is not optimal to just, just, um, I would prefer to use Euler always. And the most important tip is put your roll rotation first on weapons. Just always put it there because you will regret not doing that later. Cause then you'd have, if you switch back later, then you have a messed up animation. Roll, roll meaning like if I'm holding a gun, it would be like turning palm down or palm up. Is that roll? Yeah. Yeah, because that's exactly. just like a super common rota uh, rotation it's, you're going to be doing. Yeah, it's it's to add detail. Uh -huh. You would you would just put that rotation first because if you did not, uh, for example, if you had X or pitch um, as your first rotation, it's not going to follow. That, it, it, it rarely matters. Yeah, um, because you barely get off the, out of the idle pose. You if you had your gun right here, for example, you would just tilt it. So there's little X rotation, but the most prominent rotation is roll z so mm -hmm. you put roll first then yaw and then pitch so for example uh, if you had uh, just a regular maya scene facing forward you would have z y x as your rotation order mm -hmm. um and it's just really important to respect that and plan ahead before you actually get into it and that was my first mistake um when i was starting out just not caring yeah no that's a huge uh because that's one thing people will start and they'll be like they might not even know why is this not working yeah. the why way is I'm why settings? is this not <laughs> yeah because the that's curves cool. don't match what the gizmo is showing and that's yeah. really really confusing for some people 100 percent. yeah yeah it i mean it takes people a while to realize like the at least in my you know world object or gimbal you know it's all gimbal world yeah, and object all, yeah. is just like a display option to try to make it look pretty for you but everything's gimbal yeah. behind the scenes that's same, cool. in, same in blender um, okay. you, you would think, oh, it's all Euler. No, behind the scenes, it's all Quaternions. Hmm. You can't escape them. It's just hmm. you wouldn't animate Quaternions. It doesn't make sense because yeah. it's more math mathematical. So so what's next for you? It sounds like you're 
you're starting to branch out because you're kind of getting capped out skill wise on first person because you've done it for a few years and there's only so far you can take that stuff. So you're, are you starting to venture into character animation? Yes. Just full, we call it full body. Yeah. Because since we're used to just animating the arms, calling it full body is the more common term for just character animation. Creature animation, uh, vehicle animation. I'm doing a bunch of tests just to get my skills up um, for my work at Bullcat. That's great. Cool. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. Thanks for chatting with me. And we are going to jump over to a YouTube video we're going to make with Marvin showing us some of his workflow and process. So if you want to check out Marvin's kind of behind the scenes look of what it actually looks like to do an animation like a first person shooter, check out the Digital Creator School YouTube channel where we are going to have that video with Marvin. So thanks, Marvin. I appreciate it. Thank you. As always, you can check out animatorsjourney.com if you want to begin your own animation journey, whether that's creating a career, whether that's switching careers, whether that's just wanting to you know, be curious about animation and work on your own projects, you need to have the skills to do that. And that's what's preventing you from getting from point A to point B. And Animator's Journey is the bridge between those kind of goals. And so if you would like to join, check out animatorsjourney.com. Sometimes enrollment comes and goes. So if you can't enroll right at this moment, then hop on the email list or apply and you'll, you'll get on the email list for when the next enrollment begins. And currently I have a webinar that I'm putting on right now that's all about a career in animation as well. So you can take that free webinar if you want to do more than just this podcast. Um, so thanks for listening to this episode and I hope to see you in the next one. And of course, always there's previous shows. If you're just now finding the show, uh, check out all the previous episodes and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening.